0: Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to our monthly book club, and welcome our author, the strong and powerful Brian Portnoy. Brian, are you ready to do this? Yes, sir. Excellent. Let's do this. Brian is a Ph.D. He is a CFA. He is the head of education at Magnetar Capital and the author of The Geometry of Wealth, How to Shape a Life of Money and Meaning. I'm excited to have you back on the show Brian, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and what motivated you to write the book.
1: Sure, and thanks for having me back, George. Really yes. a pleasure. Um, you know, on the personal front, um, married for 20 years, three teenage kids, so life is, uh, you know, a little bit nutty. Um, <laughs> my kids are both wonderful and annoying. Uh, two <laughs> boys and a little girl, 17, 15, and 13, so... The, the house is noisy and busy with lots of people uh, going to and from uh, countless different things um, but that's good live here in Chicago in in the city about a mile west of Wrigley field and um, I guess the other end of the telescope is that you know you know raising some now not so young kids but parents getting older uh both my wife's parents and and my parents are Growing into old age and are retired so you know beginning to deal with some of the challenges of of taking care of them as uh, as life goes on Um, You know that's the the personal side and you know beyond that um, You know what I think I like to do in the biggest of pictures is simplify complexity especially in the world of money and Hopefully my first couple books have done that for folks Um, I'm in a role now that allows me to focus on financial education and talking to regular people about complex topics and hopefully delivering uh, some some ideas and some mental models that makes their life a little bit easier when it comes to Making decisions about money because at the end of the day our brains stopped evolving around 130,000 years ago (laughs) and and That uh, wilderness or savannah brain uh, was not really wired to figure out complex money topics. And so there's a lot of updating of the software that we all need to do. So I I work on that.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. I think that that one of the coolest things that that I had the opportunity to talk about, talk with you about, I guess it was probably just over a year ago, uh, was this idea of contentment. And that's something that I love talking about more so than happiness um, so just wanted to sort of, uh, circle back on that, but, um, and, 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 I, 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 I love it that you're working to simplify complexity, recognizing that our brains are not necessarily wired for this. So what, what, when, when, when somebody picks up the book, what, what do you hope people are getting out of it?
1: I think in a nutshell, I want people to get out of it an understandable roadmap to becoming and staying wealthy. And to jump on the word contentment that you just referred to, you know I make an initial distinction between being rich and being wealthy, which has become a kind of a distinction that's important you know throughout throughout my life. With rich being the quest for more, which is ultimately not terribly satisfying. and wealthy being the ability to underwrite a meaningful life and my shorthand for that, is funded contentment Uh, so as i talk about the path from defining our purpose to setting broad priorities to making tactical decisions uh, i I hope that simple mental model uh, reflected in three basic shapes a circle a triangle and a square can help people figure some things out that maybe they couldn't otherwise and uh, you know based on some of the feedback i've had over the last nearly couple years since the book came out, it, it it seems to be making an impact, which is uh, uh, just unbelievably gratifying for me.
0: Yeah, I I certainly certainly believe that. How did it? I mean, we talk about different seasons of life, right? You were a young person. Now you've got teenage kids who are who are both wonderful and pains in the neck at the same time, and we have aging parents. How had how. How long had you been kicking around this idea of the circle, uh, triangle, and 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 square before actually putting pen to paper?
1: A few years, I'd say. Um, I, I think there is something um, about um, there's something about your kids getting older that's a little bit predictable. I mean, the day to day maybe not, but in the big picture, you kind of <laughs> know what you're dealing with. You know, aging parents, um, evolving friendships, uh, careers that evolve. I, I don't think most of us, including me, think about this affair a, a, a lot until you have to. So we have a lot of kind of just-in-time philosophizing about what it means to lead the good life. So you know, over the course of I just turned 50 uh, this past year. So you know, I guess over the course of my 40s um, as you know, professionally became more comfortable. Um, and you know, really am blessed with the family that I have the, the topics of, of contentment of, of purpose and priorities and decision-making kind of came into focus. And like, like any of these things for anyone who, who writes or, or, or speaks or teaches for a living, you, you just have moments where it's like, Oh, Here's an interesting way to present it. So the actual representation of the basic shapes, you know, influenced by Carl Richards, who I think is a master storyteller in in our industry, uh, and I think the master at simplifying the complex, sort of motivated by him and, and, and people like him to try to capture some really big, important topics, uh, but to do so in the simplest words and pictures possible.
0: Got it. Well, if you're able to do that, right, I, I always hesitate to, to say that it's mastery, but it's probably getting pretty close to that. If you can make it really, really easy to understand, that's that's pretty brilliant. So I appreciate that. So when 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 you think about habits um, and I, don't, I, I assume that you think probably a lot about habits and how to, uh-huh. how to break bad ones, how to create good ones. In terms of the book, what were, were, were there certain habits that you were hoping to help break?
1: I think the habit that I was in that I perceive most people to be in is that they think about money backwards, meaning that there's a lot of visible things in money world, stocks, bonds, markets, paychecks, cars, homes, um, that we see uh, in ourselves and others possessing or, or craving and that availability, that noticeability, um, and that sense of control that money gives us, even if it's illusory or ephemeral control, it, 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 it does give us that. I think that's where most of our, most of us are most of the time. And so um, even for someone who's been, you know writing about financial decision making for 20 plus years and writing in behavioral finance, Uh, you know, for at least a decade or so, it's hard in the same way that Danny Kahneman, who invented the whole field of um, of behavioral finance, says that just because he's written books about it doesn't mean that he's not, you know, influenced by all of the biases that, that he teaches us about. So I guess the habit that I wanted to break was starting at the wrong end of the process, looking through the wrong end of the telescope. I did write a book earlier on, The Investor's Paradox about making better investment decisions. And, you know, for those who read The Geometry of Wealth, they might recall that this book is a prequel, because I got to the end of that first book, I'm like, who really cares about this stuff? And (laughs) I guess the answer for me, and then for some readers was, well, you should care, but only after you've figured out some bigger things uh, first. And so that... I guess habit of thinking about funded contentment and the different sources of meaning or contentment or joy as distinct from, you know, small h happiness or pleasure. Um, I- I've actually developed pretty good habits of using those filters to keep my priorities on track.
0: Well, that certainly that certainly resonates with me. Just wanting to sort of jump ahead jump ahead in the book for 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 lack of a better term and kind of get to the good stuff you know teach me how to be a great investor like well you know i can certainly do that but it would probably benefit you considerably more to take a big step back and and examine these bigger concepts so so all right so habits you're, you're looking to break thinking about money the wrong way and i think you could probably apply that to to almost everything else in life right
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not sure if the word or the term mental models is the right one or if people might be confused by it, but, um, you know, we're not calculus machines. We're not algorithm solvers. We're storytellers. And I think we need kind of understandable, intuitive narratives that make sense of the world for us. And so, you know, the path from prior purpose to priorities to, um, uh, to, to decisions is, is a simple mental model that I use. The distinction between rich and wealthy is a, is a simple distinction um, that, that I use. And, yeah, it comes in handy all the time because one of my learnings in kind of writing about money and, and going into a lot of the research across different disciplines as well as then talking to thousands of people about the topic is that it's an inescapable area of inquiry of stress of emotion like you really can't go through any day um on this planet without in some way shape or form dealing with money um and that the the fact that it remains under theorized from an emotional or a behavioral point of view that behavioral finance is is not still not sort of Commonly understood um, Outside of a you know, small set of practitioners, you know, just tells me that there's a lot more work to be done
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that How how much time do you think that most people should spend thinking about money?
1: Uh, I think it's lumpy I, I, I guess if I would follow my own script there would be some moments of deeper introspection about what it is that's really important to me mm-hmm. and then go through, I think quite difficult thought process of what, you what, a, how to afford a meaningful life or what meaning costs, which is a bit of an awkward construction. But you know, if, if you can land on some articulation of, of what's really important to you, which isn't to say that it's fixed Um, It will change over time. We all adapt and change uh, over the years and the decades. But if you can have that perspective straight, I I think you will find it a fair bit easier to make a lot of the money decisions that would otherwise be uh, feel kind of random or one-off. If those money decisions – in terms of where you allocate your capital as a as a as a spender as a saver as an investor um, if if you have the anchor of the bigger picture then that hard work that you put in up front will create a ton of efficiency on the back end i guess that's the way i think about it
0: yeah right after i asked the question i thought well that's a pretty dumb question because we've just been talking about how how important it is to to do all the all the background, the the foundational work of figuring out the kind of life that you really want, what 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 it means to be rich versus wealthy, finding that, that 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 meaningful life. And if you're able to do that, then these money decisions, while not easy, will be a lot less time consuming, I suppose. Was that fair?
1: I think so. Yeah, that's fair, and it by no means was it was a dumb question because remember, <laughs> the first shape is a circle, um meaning that this never ends. It's not like at age 18 or 21 or 25, you say, hey, these are my values. This is my mission. This is my purpose. And then you spend the rest of your life fulfilling that. It doesn't work that way at all. Um, We're very different people over time in terms of what's meaningful to us. And so that circle for some will feel like a chore or a treadmill. For others, it could be quite joyous in trying to figure it out. Uh, I, I just become a believer in embracing that process of knowing that it never ends and actually the joy in life is that it never ends that you always have the adventure in front of you that you can figure out things that you can do things the same you can be different you you have you have control over your story and over your decisions so specifically not a dumb question because you're always having to come back to whether the day-to-day tactical stuff you do maps up to the bigger picture things and sometimes that bottom up tactical stuff will challenge the core of what you thought was true, uh, or right. And you're going to have to kind of get back at it. I mean, it's a bias of mine, but I really enjoy that type of thinking, not just in my own head, but talking to my wife and my friends and my parents and my kids and, uh, about those sorts of things. But, you know, if you're unwilling to engage in that adaptive dynamic, then this is going to be remain a pretty hard. And uh, I think emotionally challenging exercise.
0: Got it since writing it. um, If you could, and I suppose you could, is there anything that, 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 that that you'd add or subtract to the book subtract from
1: the the biggest topic that I didn't touch on at all was envy. Hmm. It's not, something I think a lot about I, I don't know if it's just a one of my own biases or ticks but it's not an emotion I feel um, but it certainly is something that most people feel a, a lot or at least on occasion it, it makes a difference in how they perceive a situation and you know how, how they might make a de- decision and so you know I kind of just gave credit to the individual in my narrative as someone who can, you know, sort of look inside themselves and look out at the world and think about purpose and priorities and and move on from there. Um, The influence of others, the perception of others being uh, happier, richer, taller, faster, smarter, better, prettier – that's very, very real, especially in an Instagram society. So I, 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 I get that. It's just not something that I addressed head on. And I kind of wish that I had uh, because it's missing. Um, I, and I haven't thought through how I would include it. But it's a really important part of life. And it's not something that I addressed.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Main idea is that you really want to, uh, to hit home, reinforce with people.
1: Have I told you about the shapes? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I, I, I hope people will take the whole book in the modular way that it was written. So at the very end of the book, for example, I I summarized the book, I think, three or four different ways, you know, just the shapes, uh, purpose, priorities, decisions, then just one liners. On each chapter, then, then kind of five sentence uh, summaries on each chapter. The book is intended to be a tool, a mental model, um, a vehicle to help folks lead more uh, contented lives. And so, um, the goal is not to have people read from page one to the very end. And in fact, I sometimes joke that I should have renamed them. I should have, I should have called the book the Circle because my very strong sense is most people read that think there's some cool stuff on money and happiness and then leave the the planning issues uh, aside um so whatever you can get out of it i I, I think it's i think it's important and and if you get anything i'm i'm satisfied
0: i love it is there something that, that that you're really most proud of other than what we've just been talking about
1: no, not nothing beyond what we've discussed. I, I like that I seem to have tapped into a conversation that people really want to have, but are often uncom- uncomfortable having it. And to the extent that I've facilitated conversations, with me not being anywhere around, but facilitated conversations between advisors and their clients, between husband and wife, between parents and children, and I've gotten feedback from all of those different types of relationships it's, it's, it's a, it, like I alluded to earlier. It's just very, very meaningful and, and, and fulfilling, you know, for me.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think that that's, I think that that's great. So when, when you look back on everything, um, do you consider the book to be a success?
1: I do. I do. I don't know if we're allowed to say that. Um, <laughs> uh, because we're all supposed to be so humble all of the time, but oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, like, so first of all, a lot of people bought it, nice. um, you know, my wife and I gave all of the profits to charity, so it's not like mm. I made a dime off that's of it, awesome. uh, but you know, just from a numbers point of view, like it was a successful book. Um, but you know, to the point I made a few minutes ago, it does seem to have inspired some conversations that have helped and that feels really good.
0: I think that's incredible. Well done, sir. Thank you. Well, Brian, I appreciate you coming back on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and where can they get a copy of the book?
1: Yeah. So best place to kind of track my scribblings and meanderings is Twitter. So I'm at Brian Portnoy. And as you know, George, and probably a lot of your readers do, there's a, just a very alive and engaged uh, community in financial Twitter, hashtag FinTwit, where you know I think good people are sharing good ideas. About money and investing. So at Brian Portnoy, um, I have a website, uh, shapingwealth.com, which um, has uh, features some of my work and links to different articles and blogs and, and things like that. And then finally, you know, there's only one bookstore left, so <laughs> Amazon has plenty of copies of the Geometry of Wealth.
0: Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Brian your appreciation. And share the show, but also share um, share the geometry of wealth with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can track Brian down on Twitter or go to shapingwealth.com and pick up a copy on Amazon. I'll list all that in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Brian. You're welcome. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.